listening to Female VC Lab, a podcast that showcases the journeys of female investors. My name is Barbara Bickham, and I am an award-winning CTO and VC that teaches companies and investors about emerging technology. I am sitting down with female VCs and investors to talk about their funds, how they invest, and how they make an impact. Welcome to the Female VC Lab podcast. I'm here with Nada. In one line, can you give me your name, your title, and the name of your fund? Yeah, my name is Nada Amidi. I'm president at Plug and Play. Awesome. So, Nada, what inspired you to become a venture capitalist or an investor? Great question. And it goes and ties pretty well into um, kind of what we do at Plug and Play and what Plug and Play is all about. So at Plug and Play, we're an innovation platform and, and think of it as three components that are part of this innovation platform. First part being investments. So we invest in over 200 startups a year, anywhere from a pre-seed wow. stage to series A. Our check sizes range anywhere from 50K to 500K. We're not leading on these investments, so we're typically investing alongside other investors. And we invest in over 17 different industries. And that's the first component to plug and play. The second piece is our um, corporate innovation uh, programs. So we work with over 400 corporations to identify pain points in the industries and match uh, their pain points to startups. So mm-hmm. we believe that you know innovation and acceleration really comes from the startups and the corporations have a lot of challenges that they're looking to solve. And we help match them to startups that address those pain points and can help accelerate those challenges and pain points within the larger corporate world. And this also is a big part of our due diligence. So for startups that we invest in, we like to see that there's also customers for them on the corporate side. These programs really help us with our due diligence process and also bring connections to the startups that they wouldn't otherwise have out there. So really helping them cut down their sales cycles to these larger corporates by having the right people in the room the first time that they have an interaction or introduction. And then the last piece of what we do is real estate. I'm actually sitting here in our headquarters where we have been returning back to the office and actually have over 100 people in the building today. And we have a 180,000 square foot building here with traditionally about 300 to 400 startups in the building. Things have definitely changed the past year and a half, but we have had a lot more foot traffic the past couple of weeks, especially with California reopening. And today we actually have a really nice lunch taking place on the patio on our second floor where we're welcoming back a lot of our tenants and a lot of our employees. And so that's been a really nice way to bring people back. But that kind of describes plug and play in a nutshell and mm-hmm. I can maybe go back to really what inspired me to become an investor because I think it yes. all kind of ties into one another. Absolutely. Um, 
But plug and play is a family business. And I happen to be third generation family member in the family business. Um, And my grandfather originally came here from Iran, where my family is originally from in Mm -hmm. the 70s. And he started in in the Persian rug industry here in in the U.S. And then my uncles and my father started the next generation uh, business and plastic packaging and distribution, as well as real estate. And really in the 90s, real estate was what got us into technology and investing. We had a lucky building off University Avenue in downtown Palo Alto, where Mm -hmm. we were renting office space to startups back then, like Google and PayPal and Logitech and Danger. And this was prior to co-working spaces really being a thing or accelerator even being a term. So we were just really purely renting our extra office space to other companies where we were also running our plastic business out of that building. Mm -hmm. And back then we found clever ways to invest in some of our tenants, just being a landlord to them. PayPal was one of the early on investments that we made where my uncle actually heard Peter Thiel's idea and really negotiated Negotiated an investment in the company in the form of rent. And that was really how we started. Yeah, exactly. They got very creative. And and that was really a hobby back then to invest in in some of these companies. And I I always observed and and watched all this kind of growing up. And I recall when we would meet these founders, we had a partner meeting on Mondays where the startups would come and, and pitch their ideas and it was a lot a lot on on the people that we would mm-hmm. see and the entrepreneurs and have always been inspired from a very young age observing these interactions and what's being done there initially started off more on the startup side so maybe just giving a little history we was on the startup side in the tech space joined a mobile payments company that was acquired by PayPal mm-hmm. then really wanted to focus on impact in the nonprofit sector so I joined Kiva in the micro lending space oh, that's cool um, and then Zamzi, which was an activity monitor for kids and, and really found healthcare to be that sweet spot for me where I really felt that impact and also helping people and really started focusing more on healthcare and joined Plug and Play about eight years ago and initially was really focused on healthcare investments uh, within Plug and Play and expanded my role over the course of the last eight years. That's awesome. Thanks. Thanks so much for that. Super long answer, but no, no, it's a great it gave answer. the whole view. No, we we like that. That's really good. So you talked a little bit about your thesis, and and so tell me a little bit about the motivation behind your thesis, and then also I will have a follow up question about kind of the different way you look at corporate strategics versus like your own investment arm. Definitely. So going into the thesis, plug and play in particular, obviously meet a lot of companies on a you know daily basis and mm-hmm. we invest in 150 to 200 startups a year. Mm-hmm. And I think there's really a number of things that contribute to, to those investments, but the number one thing uh, that really drives investments forward and drives them quickly is the people. Yeah. So, you know, who right. are the founders, who are the co-founders and do they really have kind of the skill set and the passion to really make what they're pitching happen, persuade you in their pitch that they're really the right people? And I think if I kind of recall all the different pitches I've sat in over the years, it really comes down to the person Correct. that's pitching you the idea 
Obviously, you need to have, you know, traction, you need to have a big market, you need to have a good idea, and you need to have, you know, the right people around you and funding and everything else. But ultimately, it really comes down to that founding team. And for me, what has made investment decisions really possible, it really comes down to the people. So that's a big part of our thesis. Obviously, we have our due diligence process, we have mm-hmm. our documentation and everything that's required from a legal perspective, from the startup side, but ultimately it really comes down you know, to the people. And for me in particular, I like to see that there's huge impacts, whether mm-hmm. that means it's something that is game changing, something that really is impacting and affecting people's lives in a positive way. And it is really a necessity. That's definitely a big part of my own kind of like personal thesis as well. That's wonderful. So you talked a little bit about plug and plays investment arm versus their corporate arm. Can you kind of say what the differentiator between those two? Do you guys like co-invest with yourself for lack of a better word? Like you may side by side with a corporate strategic. How, how does that, how do you guys play together with those two entities? Definitely. No, happy to touch upon that. And just maybe touching upon kind of the size of plug and play, you know, it's not Mm -hmm. just me, it's a large team. We have over 500 people globally. We have over 30 locations and we really have a investment team of over 50 people that really focus on finding good investment opportunities for plug and play Mm -hmm. and also good startups for our corporate partners. So this is really our ventures team that's actively scouting companies and getting them into our proprietary software called Playbook Mm -hmm. to really match them to the corporations. And going to your question about our investment arm versus the corporate engagements that we have. So they are separate teams or, or I would say separate or organizations. Investment arm is a private kind of family office that we invest from. Mm-hmm. And we really invest based on our criteria of seed and series A and the industries that we look at. And then, but it's very complementary to what we do on the corporate side. But the corporate side, we run a three-month accelerator programs where it's a no strings attached model for the startup. We really pick the companies based on the the corporations. So the corporations really identify which startups do they want to work with over a 90-day framework Mm -hmm. to do a pilot, a licensing deal, or a strategic investment. So those corporations do have kind of their venture arms, their innovation arms, active part of the programs that we run. Mm -hmm. And it varies corporate by corporate, but most of the times the motivation is to partner and pilot just because these startups are at a stage where they want to collaborate and have these corporations as customers. Uh, But more Mm long-term, some of the corporations that have investment arms are interested in also investing, but typically that comes a bit later when the company is a bit further along or when that is of strategic interest for the startup and the corporation. And then more long-term, some of these corporations are also looking to acquire startups as well. So that is something that also happens, but it definitely happens as they're more further along. All right. Thanks for that. So what are you currently learning or listening to or reading these days? 
That's a great question. I think when we were kicking things off, I mentioned how I have have, have had a few kind of like love life updates in, in 2020. And we all, I know, especially with COVID. During a global pandemic. Exactly. Definitely a lot of changes and, and a lot of adapting that we've done this past um, year and a half. But I, I, our family welcomed our baby girl last September. So about well, nine. Congratulations on that. Thank you. So about nine months ago. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't really fit into your question, but I wanted to make well, sure that's, that. That's a learning. That is, that has been and a You had to have been reading something. <laughs> I, I have been <laughs> reading leading up to that and, and yeah. still continuing to read yeah, and, a and lot learn of reading. as well. But with that, I've you know, definitely had an opportunity to now more listen, I would say, has okay. been my, my way of learning. Mm-hmm. Audible has become one of my best friends in addition to like this one. So I, I, I do definitely listen and, and also I have, I get this from colleagues. I have my prime like reading and emailing hours, which mm-hmm. are after my daughter goes to sleep until bedtime for, for me. And, okay. and that's typically when I'm doing most of my uh, reading. And then in the car, I'm doing most of my listening. So for the listening, I, I, I jotted down a few recent uh, books. One has been around how to raise um, venture capital. Um, so we have mm-hmm. been raising outside funds within plug and play. And that has been a big kind of piece of my learning and listening has been around fundraising. Yeah. We, I recently, this was a while back, but I was reflecting on some of the notable ones. The book of Netflix around their culture called Powerful, Building a Culture of Freedom and Responsibility. And then Eric Schmidt's book that's called um, Trillion Dollar Coach was also a good reading. Or listening that I did recently. Well, reading slash listening. And then I always love reading the Harvard Business Review articles in there. I think the topic of returning to the office has been a big topic. Mm -hmm. Employee burnout, people... Remote work is still remote big work. in the air as well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Just also people and what people have gone through. I think a lot of people have had a really challenging time this past year and a half with the pandemic, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's loss of family members or people that are close to them or just adjusting to this new way of, of working or loss of jobs or, or difficult circumstances that people have been put into. So that yeah. has also been a big part of my reading and, and learning to understand what else is happening in, in the world as well. And then a, a topic that I've been reading a lot about and we're you know doing actually a session on tomorrow at Plug and Play is around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yeah, that That's has a good been... Topic. It's a good topic. It's a hot topic, uh, hot you know, topic. clearly for the last year year or so. And something that I feel and and something that I love about the topic is that it you're you're just constantly learning and and it doesn't end. And the things that you can do and strategy that you can have around it is also endless. I love, you know, talking about the subject. We've created a committee internally where we get together and, and share updates around what we're doing around DNI and what each individual is doing. And so that has been something that I'm incredibly passionate about and, and really excited to continue learning more. I think uh, that that's also an area that just is evolving and, and there's always something to learn and something to do around the subject. 100% agree with that. 
So here's the bonus question that everybody gets. No one escapes this one. In two years, when we're talking, how do you see venture capital or investing evolving or changing? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I'm even reflecting on like the past two years, not to change your question, but I'll reflect on the past two years and then I'll predict the future if I can. But the past two years, I think beginning of COVID, we all went into a shock and really Mm -hmm. focused on our existing portfolio companies. I know Mm -hmm. that stands for my portfolio and and our portfolio at Plug and Play. Um, You know, we really focused... We did that as well at ours. Yeah, we really focused on our portfolio. We slowed down on new investments. We were trying to learn how we're going to do new investments without meeting the founders. Obviously, we also met a lot of founders in different geographies, so we weren't always meeting founders face-to-face, but it did make a big difference and kind of was a transition for us um, to adapt to this new way of investing. Mm -hmm. And then I would say three months or four months into COVID, we went back to our regular kind of investment kind of flow and and investing Mm -hmm. in companies on a more regular basis and Mm -hmm. really looking at a lot of international companies as well. Okay, Uh, We actually started expanding into Europe and doing more investments there. Mm -hmm. We have a number of offices there, but just started ramping up our investments there. We've made some investments in in Africa. We've made a number of investments in the Middle East. And, and in Japan as well. So we oh, also wow. saw a growth in, in kind of these pre-seed and seed stage opportunities internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically around healthcare, I think today we've done around 14 investments this year so far. Wow! Um, so just seen a growth of, of companies that both were investing and just the amount of funding um, going into healthcare has been uh yeah, a very astronomical astronomical amount mm-hmm. but we've also just increased our investments quite a lot in in the past 6 months so i think oh, that's great you know it's been a interesting a year and a half where no one would have thought everything will just continue in this you know virtual world and we've actually been able to connect with founders all over much mm-hmm. more easily because of us just being online. It's interesting that we had that option so true. before, but we didn't always utilize it. So that's definitely made kind of anything possible and also opened up the door of who else can cone in these startups as well. So if I had to predict the next two years, I, I think I imagine it continuing to grow, continuing to make more investments, have these vertical funds where we can actually do more uh, later stage investments and do more Mm -hmm. pro rata and continue to expand our portfolio and continue to create more of this like online virtual setting where companies can connect and people can connect and companies can grow and and expand much more rapidly than they could uh, previously. Yeah, that's awesome. Ecosystem building. That's what you're doing. Exactly, exactly. We've, we've Our, learned all about all these different platforms out there. Zoom was mm-hmm. what we all started with, but we... Yeah, there's a lot of platform, other platforms all, now. All Hopin, Attendify, Remo, and yeah. actually a lot of these companies are also consolidating now. So some yeah. of these bigger guys are, are buying some of the smaller companies out there. It's also been interesting to observe just that landscape 
of digital mm-hmm. tools growing this past year and a half as well. Very true. And we'll see how that continues. Will yeah. continue to grow? Hybrid, I mean. Night? Hybrid. Yeah, well, how will they, yeah, how will they adapt back? If they were sheer digital, how will they now go back and, and have, like you said, part online, part offline? Yeah. You have to start strategically thinking and being very forward thinking about how you're now going to change your company a little bit back. Exactly. I think uh, hybrid is is something we're all you know thinking about, talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done a few hybrid events and and had our share of learning as well. And I think yeah. one thing that we're learning is it's important to create a very unique experience for the people that are in person. And then yes. having that in-person and virtual content be something that is hybrid, but you definitely have to have a degree of kind of separation between the hybrid content and then the in-person because mm-hmm. people definitely are missing and, and longing for those in-person interactions. So sure. leaving time for networking in person and in the few kind of examples that we've had in recent months and places that have been more open is that people definitely have missed being together in person. Very true. Very true. So how do people contact you? Great question. Internally and externally, this is something I was reflecting on. There's so many different tools um, where we stay connected, whether oh it's gosh. through Slack so tools. or LinkedIn or text impossible message, to email. track all the tools. What's your most preferred? What's your preferred way for people to contact you? Let me ask. Yeah, the that way. <laughs> I mean internally, I am one of our most active users on Slack. So I love Slack. Just talking more on the internal side. Obviously, people externally can't reach me on Slack, but externally, my email is the fastest and, and most efficient way. So it's Neda N E D A at pnptc.com. And awesome. Also, I'm pretty good about LinkedIn in terms of connecting with people and connecting on that front. Uh, A little bit slower on the LinkedIn messaging, but email is definitely the fastest way. I'm I'm working on the LinkedIn responses. LinkedIn can be equally as overwhelming as any other uh, communication channel. (laughs) Definitely. But I love when people add and and add a little comment about Mm -hmm. whether they heard me speak or whether they were referred by someone. But that definitely helps accelerate the response and for me to also recognize who I'm connecting. But yeah, those are the email is, is always the fastest. Wonderful. So... Thank you so much, Neda Amidi from Plug and Play for being our guest on the Female VC Lab podcast. Thank you so much, Barbara. It was a pleasure being here with you. Uh, My pleasure. This episode is brought to you by Trail and Ventures. Find and invest in the next billion dollar emerging tech company. Sign up for our exclusive content at https colon slash slash trailin T-R-A-I-L-Y-N dot com to find out more. Find us on Apple, on Spotify, and on Google Podcasts. Thank you for listening.